Glide. Hello, my name is Aisa Tudiawara. I'm a technical advisor at the Global Institute for Disease Elimination based in Abu Dhabi. And I'm pleased to welcome you to our podcast series, Elimination Exchange. At Glide, we focus our efforts on understanding and accelerating progress towards the elimination and eradication of neglected tropical diseases, currently onchocerciasis and lymphatic filariasis, as well as polio and malaria. Elimination Exchange. It's my pleasure to have with us today Dr. Greg Nolan, Program Director of the Carter Center's River Blindness, Lymphatic Filariasis Elimination, Schistosomiasis Control, and Malaria Programs, which includes the Hispaniola Initiative. Today, Dr. Nolan will speak about the Hispaniola Initiative, which supports binational coordination between the Dominican Republic and Haiti to eliminate malaria and lymphatic filariasis on the island of Hispaniola. Malaria and lymphatic filariasis, which is also a neglected tropical disease, are caused by parasites and transmitted through the bite of infected mosquitoes. Malaria is a major cause of death for young children and pregnant women, According to the World Health Organization, malaria caused an estimated 627,000 deaths worldwide in 2020. Lymphatic filiasis is the leading cause of permanent and long-term disability worldwide. It's also intertwined with poverty, which is both a contributing cause and the result of the disease. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Isatou. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today. So could you tell us a bit about the Hispaniola Initiative and how you became involved in it? Of course. Um, the Hispaniola Initiative is one of the health programs at the Carter Center. Uh, and at the Carter Center, we really focus on diseases targeted for elimination uh, or in the case of guinea worm, global eradication. Um, so in Hispaniola, as you mentioned, we assist the ministries of health in both Haiti and Dominican Republic to eliminate the two diseases, malaria and lymphatic filariasis from the country's shared island of Hispaniola. Uh, Hispaniola is the only island in the Caribbean where malaria still occurs, um, and it also represents about 90% of the burden of lymphatic filariasis in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, and so the center has been providing support to Hispaniola uh, since about 2008, when we launched a small pilot project to promote binational cooperation uh, between the two ministries of health. And then in subsequent years, we've played a convening role really uh, with President Carter using his relationship with the heads of state in both countries um, to advocate for focused attention on the elimination agenda, and also to bring the ministries together for regular binational meetings. Um, and then specifically my role in, in approximately 2014, the center made a strategic shift uh, away from broad support for malaria control in several African countries to instead really focus attention on the elimination opportunities on the island of Hispaniola and uh, really to specifically complete the job of malaria elimination on that island. So uh, since that time in my, my former capacity as a program epidemiologist, 
Uh, I've been providing technical assistance to the malaria and LF programs in, in Haiti and Dominican Republic. Um, but I should say that I've been uh, a veteran of the island. I first traveled to Haiti in 2001, so I'm familiar with the, the beautiful and familiar territory there. Thank you so much for sharing. So we understand that it's very important to tackle both diseases because of their burden, also, the morbidity and economic impact of malaria and lymphatic filariasis is enormous, which infections being both a cause and a result of poverty. So this brings me to my next question. What do you think are the main success factors to achieve elimination of lymphatic filariasis and malaria in the context of the island? Yeah, great question. So um, technically speaking, there are several factors in favor of elimination of both diseases on the island. So um, considering first malaria, uh, Hispaniola is the only place in the world where uh, Plasmodium falciparum uh, uh, malaria is still sensitive to the drug chloroquine. Um, the parasite has developed resistance in just about every other part of the globe. So uh, while we still have sensitivity to that drug, there's a real urgency to complete elimination before um, the inevitable happens and before resistance appears. So um, having that drug uh, uh, effective is certainly one of the key attributes favoring elimination. Secondly, um, the mosquito that transmits malaria on Hispaniola is really not what we would call an efficient vector. Um, it, the mosquito happily feeds on uh, not only humans, but as well animals, goats, chickens, cows, I mean, what, whatever may be in the area, meaning that the, the force of transmission and exposure to infected mosquitoes is actually much, much lower than we find in highly endemic parts of, of Africa. And then thirdly, um, uh, looking at history, we know that every other island in the Caribbean has in fact mal eliminated malaria. So it's certainly a case of, of, uh, of elimination can be done with the tools that we have now. And then finally, turning to lymphatic filariasis, um, LF is equally interrupted with an effective drug combination that's given uh, annually uh, for at least uh, four to five years minimum to all individuals at risk um, through a process called mass drug administration or MDA. And as I said, the drugs to treat LF are incredibly effective, um, but unfortunately drugs don't work if people don't take them. And so the program must work to really maintain high treatment coverage for the periods that um, drug treatment is being offered within communities. Thank you for highlighting some of the factors in favor of elimination of both diseases. Collaboration between different stakeholders is also one of the key success factors. The cross-border efforts of the two countries' ministries of health is a good example as it's essential for the success of the Hispaniola initiative. So what are some of the ways the Carter Center has assisted the ministries of health of the Dominican Republic and Haiti to increase coordination and promote integration? And what have been the results of increased collaboration? And is this model could be adapted in other geographies where diseases cross borders? In a short word, yes, absolutely. So let me give you three, three examples uh, that come to mind. First, um, uh, coordination uh, resulted in treatment harmonization. 
So as I mentioned, the Carter Center first uh, started providing assistance in 2008, uh, 2008 excuse me, um, with a, a pilot uh, project to bring the two countries together. Uh, prior to that time, uh, Haiti and the Dominican Republic actually had different uh, treatment recommendations for treating malaria. Uh, in the Dominican Republic, they used a two-drug combination of chloroquine, which I've already spoken about, um, in addition to primaquine, which acts to eliminate the transmissible form of the parasite called gametocytes. Uh, in contrast, in Haiti, um, standard therapy was just chloroquine, um, which cure, which uh, which helps to treat and cure the infected individual, but it does nothing to target those gametocytes, which are actually responsible for transmission. So as a result of bringing those two ministries together, there was a recognition that harmonizing the treatment regimen was in fact a good thing and adding Premaquin to Haiti's uh, treatment re uh, regimen um, really resulted in increased transmission blocking uh, efficacy. Uh, secondly, um, bringing the two ministries together um, really shows the benefit of bringing two nations together uh, for a common cause. Um, you know, we can be honest and say that these two countries, Haiti and Dominican Republic, um, they have a, a long and, and sometimes uh, fractious relationship. Um, but bringing the ministries together in a common cause effort um, really yields beautiful results. And so you can see that the technical people um, at, at the ground level, if you bring those together, you see that those, those technical uh, staff are really um, passionate individuals. They're committed to public health. Um, they're committed to the public health, no matter where you were born, what passport you hold, what language you speak. And so take, for example, seeing field teams going out and conducting surveillance for um, mosquito control. Um, it, it just really promotes uh, camaraderie between, uh, between the, the, the staff of the two ministries. And again, just bringing those, uh, the two countries together for a common cause. So that's something that President Carter um, has really built his life and legacy around. So that's something that we're very proud to pursue. And then finally, one, uh, a third benefit of bringing the ministries together is just sharing technical lessons. Um, in disease elimination, we always say the final mile is the longest and it always presents new challenges that haven't been encountered before and may be very specific to a particular country or region. And so for example, in the Dominican Republic, uh, malaria transmission is now mainly occurring in urban and peri-urban areas of the capital, Santo Domingo. Uh, this is in fact a radical shift in the epidemiology of the disease, which previously had really only been focalized to the rural areas. And so one of the opportunities that the ministry is now considering is looking at uh, additional aggressive tools to eliminate transmission. And so uh, one of these tools uh, that could be considered is mass drug administration for malaria. I've talked earlier about mass drug administration for lymphatic filariasis, which is the cornerstone of that program. Uh, but mass drug administration for malaria has been piloted in certain uh, parts of the globe uh, over a number of years. And in fact, even a very recent experience in Haiti. And so bringing colleagues together from the ministry to share lessons learned, to talk about the deployment and the lessons learned during the MDA trials in Haiti, and then sharing those lessons with a Dominican colleague so that they can formulate their response, their action plan, their um, lessons learned from the, the Haitian colleagues. Uh, that just helps the Dominicans improve uh, the deployment of their program as well. 
So uh, let me come back to the, the the final question you answered. Can this can this serve as a model? Uh, again, yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, the 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 binational effort that the Carter Center helped to to initiate and that the ministries have now fully taken ownership of and continue, uh, that initiative was awarded the Malaria Champions in the Americas Award for 2017 by the Pan-American Health Organization. So again, just highlighting that this can serve as a model of success for binational partnerships. So we understand that integrated and collaborative actions may help to achieve elimination goals and multi-disease and country solutions clearly have the potential to provide better return on investment. But we still need to understand integration better and how to implement sustainable integrated approaches. So the Hispaniola initiative could be an iconic example on how this could be done. Uh, we know that COVID-19 has been a great disruptor for many of the long-lasting health initiatives around the world. How has the Hispaniola initiative been affected and how has it adapted to continue its work despite the challenges of the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, like all programs, like all families, like all individuals, you know, we have been impacted by COVID. And so um, it, it's been in many ways a great disruptor, as you mentioned, um, specifically in the context of malaria elimination efforts in Hispaniola. Um, number one, um, as, as in many parts of the globe, individuals simply stopped going to the doctor unless it was absolutely necessary. And so this created really a, a ripe environment for malaria transmission to be continuing within communities uh, unabated. So, so that's a big problem, number one. Um, the COVID restrictions also impeded um, the abilities of the ministries to conduct surveillance for malaria. So not only uh, were individuals less likely to seek treatment, but the ministry's response to tracking cases was similarly impeded. So, uh, you know, in normal times, as I said, you know, people often um, put off going to the doctor when sick with, mal with malaria, even though malaria, uh, if left untreated, can be a fatal disease. In early stage, it generally can just appear as, as a cold or flu. And so people often delay um, treatment seeking for malaria for multiple different reasons. Uh, as I said, they may not think it's serious. Um, they just may not have the money um, to go to a health facility to, to seek um, diagnostics and treatment. Or, you know, as I mentioned, uh, uh, in rural areas, maybe there's not a, a health facility nearby. So really one of the biggest challenges for malaria elimination is diagnosing and treating every single case. And so getting back to the ministry's response and the impact of COVID, um, the Dominican Republic and Haiti both have um, uh, specific teams established to conduct surveillance for malaria. So going door to door, testing individuals um, uh, for malaria, asking if, if you've had a fever recently. Uh, this allows the ministries to provide prompt and rapid diagnostics and treatment for malaria. And so without those mechanisms in place, without the community-based surveillance, we really um, are missing a, a big chunk of the iceberg, if you will, in terms of the malaria burden. And so, as I mentioned previously, that uh, undetected malaria just allows 
transmission to continue uh, unfettered um, in these areas. Um, and then I'll, I'll give a final example of, of another way that COVID has impacted the programs, um, this time speaking uh, about LF in Haiti. And so we know that uh, COVID complicated what was already a very difficult situation for the LF program uh, in Haiti. Um, Haiti, uh, as you and listeners may know, is, is already the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Um, not only that, it's suffered from a significant turmoil the past four or five years, earthquakes, uh, hurricanes, disrupted presidential elections. Um, this past year, the unfortunate assassination of the president. And so not surprisingly, the, the general population has um, a high mistrust of the government. And so when Ministry of Health teams uh, go around offering medication for lymphatic filariasis, people are just normally a bit hesitant, um, even prior to COVID. But now with COVID, there are uh, an additional set of all sorts of vicious rumors circulating that, you know, MDA teams had to confront when offering treatment for lymphatic filariasis in Haiti. So um, again, it just highlights the importance of social mobilization of community engagement to work with community leaders um, so that uh, uh, those leaders and the communities are informed about what the treatment teams are doing and that those community leaders uh, can really be utilized to serve as advocates for malaria elimination. So um, it, uh, COVID has presented new challenges, um, but in some ways it's helped the programs to sharpen their response to these uh, eliminating these two diseases. Despite many challenges, both countries have still made great progress towards malaria and lymphatic filariasis elimination. For example, Haiti has been close to eliminate malaria several times. The Dominican Republic has been announced as one of the 25 E2025 countries on track to eliminate malaria by 2025. Also, all three formerly lymphatic filariasis endemic forsyth have stopped uh, MDA and the country has started post-treatment surveillance phase. So knowing that, what are the remaining steps to achieve the elimination goals? Right, you're absolutely correct. So um, uh, in fact, just comparing the decline in malaria between 2020 and 2021, both, cases, uh, both countries reported a 50% decline in malaria between 2020, between 2021 with in fact uh, less than 10,000 cases reported in Haiti uh, last year and less than 300 cases of malaria reported in the Dominican Republic last year. And that's the lowest number recorded in the country since 1975. So what are the remaining steps? Well, first, number one, the ministries should just keep doing what they're doing. Um, this is efforts like this are definitely a case of 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. So a lot of effort, detailed work. And as I said previously, um, we now have the, uh, we have the existing tools to com uh, combat malaria. And so it's just a question of deploying those um, uh, in every single uh, area where malaria transmission is identified. Um, so thinking really uh, back to your former question about COVID and the impacts. So the, one remaining step is, is to get community health workers back to the fields to conduct active surveillance for malaria so that they are uh, detecting, 
diagnosing and treating every single case of malaria. That's fundamental uh, elimination steps 101. Um, secondly, if we think about um, uh, lymphatic filariasis, um, as you mentioned, the Dominican Republic stopped uh, mass drug administration for lymphatic filariasis in 2018 by meeting the WHO requirements uh, criteria for stopping MDA. So in the Dominican Republic, they are now in what's called the post-treatment surveillance phase. So that's a five-year phase required by the World Health Organization. And so, uh, and so the country uh, needs to complete that post-treatment surveillance phase at the end of which time they will then be eligible to submit their dossier to WHO for validation of having eliminated LF as a public health problem. Uh, so that's the situation in the Dominican Republic. If we think about the LF situation in Haiti, um, in fact, the Haiti's LF program is one of the great success stories that is, is often not um, uh, promoted enough. So 87% of the districts in Haiti have, in fact, also met the WHO criteria to stop MDA. And that's just a, a remarkable feat uh, from my perspective, given uh, all the difficulties that that country has faced over the past 20 years since that program launched. So the remaining steps to achieve LF elimination in Haiti are to focus on those 18 districts that still remain in need of MDA and uh, just simply increasing the coverage for mass drug administration. Again, the drugs are very effective, but if people don't take the medication, the drugs cannot work. And so, um, again, this just goes back to community engagement, the importance of, of mobilization within the communities so that uh, those who are likely the reservoirs of, of LF infection are able to receive medication and stop transmission within their communities. It's very exciting to hear that at the end of the post-treatment surveillance phase, the Dominican Republic will be eligible to submit their dossier for validating elimination of LF. Uh, we also understand that community engagements, active surveillance are key factors that will help reaching the last mile. Uh, I have a last question for you. So what are you most excited about in the year ahead? Well, uh, uh, I'm most excited about, firstly, uh, the Dominican Republic being poised to be the next country in the world to be validated by the World Health Organization as having eliminated LF as a public health problem. Um, it's always great to see those victories, and especially in a Carter Center-assisted country like the Dominican Republic, um, achieving uh, LF elimination. The, um, uh, the Dominican Republic is... Uh, along with Haiti, comprise two of the four remaining countries in the Americas that uh, are still aiming for LF elimination. So ticking one of those countries uh, off the list would just be a fantastic achievement for the country and for the region as well. Um, uh, secondly, I'm excited to see the Dominican Republic continue to push um, to eliminate and reduce its, its malaria cases. So as I mentioned, uh, less than 300 cases reported last year. Uh, I'm eager to see that continue to reduce down to 100, down to 50, and ultimately, let's say within the next um, three to five years, down to zero cases and in a position where it 
similarly would be eligible for uh, certification by the World Health Organization for having eliminated malaria. So 300 cases uh, last year, the DR is very close to eliminating malaria. And as you mentioned, um, the additional focus by now being a part of the E2025 initiative is a, a great way to further enhance focus on the efforts in the Dominican Republic against malaria elimination. Uh, uh, but let me not uh, leave out Haiti, of course. As I said, Haiti, um, uh, put in context, has achieved phenomenal success over the past two decades, uh, especially against lymphatic filariasis. And so I'm eager to see the continued progress in those 18 districts um, just within the past um, month. Uh, the uh, world, uh, the regional body of the World Health Organization at PAHO uh, recommended that a subsection of one of those districts um, now qualifies um, to stop mass drug administration for lymphatic filariasis. And so we continue to see uh, incremental progress in Haiti. And again, um, you know, the NTD elimination efforts um, they are long commitments. They don't happen overnight. And so we expect to see incremental progress and we continue to, to offer and encourage and celebrate when that progress occurs. Um, but uh, I still, I think probably the last thing I will say, and perhaps what I'm most excited about is just simply getting back to seeing my colleagues in person, um, <laughs> sitting around the table, um, you know, whether it's looking at surveillance maps for malaria, or uh, uh, treatment maps for lymphatic filariasis, there's, there's really just no, simply no substitute for in-person dialogue, communication. And as we've talked about uh, for this initiative uh, in particular, bringing the two countries together, bringing the ministries together, um, working together for a common cause. That's what I'm most excited about. Thank you, Greg. It was a pleasure having you in this episode of Elimination Exchange. Thank you so much. It's, it's been a great pleasure for me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We hope you learned something new about disease elimination efforts and invite you to tune in next time to Elimination Exchange as we continue to explore the tools, interventions, and innovations that will help us consign these Asian diseases of poverty to the history books. For more information about Glide, please visit our website at glideae.org. Glide.